Broadcasting from high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, this is KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson. On the program today, we have the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories from the Moab area. Today, we discuss why a land swap between the state and the federal government recently fell apart within Bears Ears National Monument. We also talk about the Grand County School District's superintendent, who will retire in July. And we finish off with a story about a local high school wrestling star who recently won the state championship. Sophia Fisher, reporter with the Times Independent, starts off explaining what's happening with the land swap in Bears Ears. Yeah, so the land swap uh, proposed between the Trust Lands Administration and the Department of Interior or the Bureau of Land Management, uh, it actually collapsed at the beginning of this month. Okay, so this was supposed to be a land swap between formerly known as SITLA, Mm -hmm. um, state land, and federal land with the BLM. Yes, exactly. Okay, within a national monument that was created and restored within the past couple years, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why were these governing bodies wanting to swap land and why did it fall apart? Yeah, great question. So when the uh, Bears Ears National Monument was restored by President Joe Biden in, I believe it was 2021, um, he, he greatly expanded the size of the monument compared to what it had just been previously. Um, and in so doing, encircled a lot of isolated state lands uh, with this new monument. So there were like um, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of uh, acres of state land that were now completely encircled by the Federal National Monument, which would have, you know, different rules and regulations likely than just typical BLM land. Okay, so were these little parcels of state land within the National Monument, were they kind of autonomous? Did they have control to use that land however they wanted? So within the, you know, within those parcels, I think they would be allowed to use the land however the the state saw fit. But I think there were concerns about like access to those parcels, for example. Um, Those things could get very complicated if there are stricter regulations on all of the land surrounding them. They essentially became islands. Um, And it's important to note, too, that those parcels actually hadn't been making a ton of money for the Trust Lands Administration prior to the monument being created. I think it was estimated at some point that they garnered like $80,000 annually, maybe for that state agency. Um, But there were definitely concerns that uh, use of those lands just might be kind of by default even more restricted with this new monument expansion. Okay. I think before we keep going, let's get a brief explanation of who the players are in this story, who Sitla is, why the BLM might want this land, and the Bears Ears Commission, maybe like who are the stakeholders in this story? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the Trust Lands Administration was formerly known as SITLA or the School and Institutional Trust Sorry, Lands Administration. I keep it SITLA, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're good. I mean, SITLA is easier to say, honestly. Um, I guess now known as Trust Lands Administration or TLA. Uh, they're a state agency that owns something like, I want to say, 6% of lands throughout the state and manages them for the benefit of uh, Utah's public schools and other public institutions. They own a good bit of land in Grand County, um, including, for example, uh, a lot of the land at the southern end of Spanish Valley. Um, and and, my, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. And so does the revenue that goes to benefit the schools, does that come from mining, drilling? What does the revenue come from? Yeah, great question. A whole bunch of things. A lot of it is from, you know, mining or resource extraction that happens on those parcels. Uh, also through leases, for example, uh, Sitla or TLA is leasing some land near Castle Valley to under canvas for a glamping development there. So, you know, development and, and leases for development can also produce revenue for, for Utah's school children. Okay. So TLA has these parcels of land that 
Then in 2021, when the Bears Ears National Monument expanded, were then encircled within the Federal National Monument. Exactly. And that seemed to be, you know, negative both for uh, CITLA because it would be harder for them to manage their parcels, uh, but also for the BLM and the folks managing the National Monument because it would be harder to manage the National Monument if you do have these isolated areas that are subject to completely different restrictions and management rules. Mm -hmm. It makes sense why TLA would want to get rid of these parcels. But then Mm -hmm. what was the BLM offering them? Um, and the BLM was offering them a nearly equal amount of acreage uh, throughout the state. So a lot of lands that the BLM, it was about 160,000 acres, uh, you know, that would be traded out and then and traded back. Um, but the value would be overall equal, even if the acreage wasn't quite equal. Um, and BLM was offering a bunch of land actually in San Juan County, particularly near Blanding and, and municipalities, a lot of land in, in Grand County as well, um, and just south of Grand County, like in Lisbon Valley, and then other parcels throughout the state as well. I think um, most counties in the state had some BLM parcels that were slated to be traded to to TLA through this deal. Okay. And then what happened? Why did this fall apart? It fell apart on February 5th when uh, Governor Spencer Cox uh, terminated an MOU or a Memorandum of Understanding with the federal government. Um, it's, it's interesting that this is happening right now. I mean, it's been, I'd say, largely smooth sailing for this proposal um, since it first came to light in, you know, early 2022. That's the last time I reported on it. Um, you know, it, it passed through uh, the state legislature and then went to Congress and everything seemed to be going going smoothly until early this month. So did the state realize that maybe they stand to lose from this exchange or what you know, why did Governor Cox terminate this MOU? Uh, that I don't think that was said explicitly. Yeah, the, the statement that was released um, referred to a yet unreleased management plan for Bears Ears National Monument that's still in the works. And and basically, Cox and other, you know, high Utah officials said that the management plan was essentially unacceptable to them and would have greatly restricted management, not necessarily of, you know, those parcels specifically, but of, of the monument overall and, and things like grazing and resource extraction. Um, and they found it to be overly restrictive and therefore wanted to pull out of this agreement. So the state was worried that whatever the federal land use regulations, they were going to be too restrictive and not allow for grazing and maybe mineral extraction? Or was it that the the new parcels that they were going to get from the federal government were going to have like high levels of restrictions? You know, that's a great question. I'm not entirely sure the answer to that question. I mean, I I can read out the statement. This Mm -hmm. came from uh, Governor Spencer Cox, uh, Mike Schultz, and Jay Stewart-Adams, who are the two heads of the legislative branches uh, in Utah. And it reads... Uh, quote, the federal government has signaled that it once again plans to adopt a restrictive land management plan that will harm recreational access, grazing, and other traditional public uses of these lands. When the administration is prepared to have a serious and good faith collaborative discussion about land management, we stand ready to renew discussions of a land exchange. So it sounds to me like it's both, you know, the actual management plan that they say is going to come to these parcels and to the overall monument, but also there, I think, is like a tacit accusation that the administration has not been acting in good faith and perhaps, you know, has something in this management plan that Utah didn't think was going to come about. Um, That being said, that's just me reading into the statement. It's kind of unclear at this point. And then I think the other player in this story that we haven't really talked about is the Bears Ears Commission. Were they for or against this land swap? Yeah, so the Bears Ears Commission actually had expressed support for this land exchange uh, back in in June of last year. Um, And I I do know that the Navajo Nation also released a statement um, recently saying they were disappointed uh, with the fact that the land exchange fell apart. Okay, yeah. So we can move on from the Bears Ears story. 
We also reported a story this week about the Grand County School District superintendent who's going to be retiring soon. What did you talk to her about? Yeah, Superintendent Taryn Kay, she announced her retirement recently and she'll be actually stepping down in July. Um, And I had a really good conversation with her just about reflections on her own career, which has been entirely within the Grand County School District. You know, the ways she's seen education and teaching in Utah change and then also projections for the future of education. Yeah. So what were some of the big accomplishments that she had during her time as the superintendent? I think the most notable one was navigating the coronavirus pandemic. Um, Kay became superintendent like March 2020. Essentially, she said one of her first official acts was to close schools at the start of the pandemic. And that just dominated the first two years of her four-year superintendency. Yeah. What were some of the ways that she dealt with that issue? I think navigating, you know, for navigating mask mandates, she said that for a while, the Grand County School District was the only one with a mask mandate in Utah. Um, Also, you know, navigating that spring when people went remote for a while and then the next school year when there were both remote and in-person options and then just dealing with, you know, additional masking requirements or recommendations. I know that schools occasionally had to close when there were outbreaks, like um, the the high school definitely closed at least once when everybody just started getting COVID. Uh, So all sorts of day-to-day things. And then also just navigating like there were new funding streams coming in from the federal government during the coronavirus and how do you manage testing and I'm sure a whole myriad other issues. Yeah. And something else that comes to mind is, you know, Grand County having really low graduation rates. That's been something that you've done a lot of reporting on. Mm -hmm. Um, Did Kay talk at all about how she's trying to increase graduation rates or any anything on that issue? Yeah, definitely. That's also, thanks for bringing that up. That was definitely a huge push of the last couple of years um, and certainly impacted by the pandemic. And I know chronic student absenteeism relatedly really has also been a huge issue since the pandemic. Um, it sounds to me like it actually looks like the graduation rates have uh, gone up over the last year a little bit. And I know that the Um, high school has created new like learning pathways for students to be able to graduate uh, in, you know, slightly more unorthodox forms or by getting more like career and technical education credits and things like that. There was also the creation of the student um, career and success center, I believe I'm saying the name right, which is intended to help students who are projected to potentially not graduate as early as, you know, from like seventh or eighth grade. So I think those have been two big pushes. Yeah. Do you know who's going to be taking her place? No, uh, but it sounds like they are hoping for an announcement of a replacement in April. All right. So Grand County School District going to be getting a new superintendent soon. What else happened this week that you want to tell us about? Yeah, we have some really exciting sports news um, from the high school. Uh, the first one is that Austin Paris won his second consecutive state championship uh, in wrestling. He's a sophomore and he dethroned the three st- three-time state champion uh, Russell Evans in the final. Nice. Did you talk to him about his victory? No, I didn't, but we got some information uh, from his father, Wyland Wright. What did his dad say? Uh, He said that Paris's high school record is, quote, now a respectable 98 to 4. What does that that mean? I think wins to losses. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get any um, details about what went down on the in the ring? On the mat? On the mat. Well, I know that he won the 2A state championship, but he is the number one ranked wrestler in the state, actually. Um, and he's actually ranked 20th in the country in his weight class as well. Wow. Nicely done, Austin. Um, and there was some other good sports news that you wanted to tell us about. Yes. And it's going online um, as we're recording this right now, but it's not in this week's print edition. Um, and that is that the Grand County High School swim teams uh, kicked butt this past weekend in the state championships. The boys team got for first place in 2A and the girls team got second place. There were like 25 personal records set and like two school records also set over the weekend. So okay. 
really uh, great success. I believe our, our coach, Wendy Young, also got the Coach of the Year Award for both the boys and girls teams. So honors all around. Nice. Sophia Fisher, reporter with The Times Independent. Find more stories at moabtimes.com. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes on our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to the KZMU News podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.